Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. After a brief hiatus, we're back this week. Uh, I had the opportunity to sit down with Hunter Thomas, co-president of the BYU Republicans. Uh, I'm planning on this being a two-part series where, with the following episode, I'll be speaking with someone from BYU Democrats. Uh, As you know, I've had strong opinions on these clubs in the past, so it's been really eye-opening. It's been really refreshing to be able to speak with them directly. Uh, As I've mentioned before in previous posts, I just I like this podcast because I like to try and spread open ideas. So if I, all that I ask is that you try and keep an open mindset as you listen to these episodes. And as we say that, uh, let's get to it. The Semi Nice Podcast. So uh, we're back in room, or actually in 5724 of the library this time, and I have Hunter Thomas here with me. Hunter, thanks for coming in. For sure. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, Hunter, why don't you tell all our extensive listeners around the globe a little bit about yourself? For sure, yeah. So I'm, I'm, if you want to know my full name, it's Hunter Avilio Thomas. I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, I was raised there. I moved there when I was around... uh, five, six years old, and uh, it was a really nice place to grow up. It was awesome. Um, I served my mission in, in Mexico, Oaxaca, but I got back around two years ago. Um, it was an amazing time for me. But right now, I'm. Uh, it's kind of interesting how this is working out. I could go to law school by the start of next fall, depending on things how things work out, but um, I'm kind of in the, ju- I'm a junior right now, could be senior class. Um, I'm 23 years old, and I'm majoring in political science with an emphasis in in legal studies. So um, I'm what you call a political junkie. Love politics, love law. Same. Interesting. So it's fun. It's fun. Right on. Right on. Um, Is there any, like, do you have any goals with anything you want to do, like, and achieve in law? I know because, like, personally, I I really dislike the question when I tell people about law school. They're like, oh, what type of law are you going to go into? I'm like, I don't know. Like, (laughs) is that the purpose of law school, to figure out what type of law I want to do? But I know some people do go in with a very specific goals, so I was wondering if you had any or you're just willing to explore the options available to you. You know, I am really open to anything. I think that law school, like you said, is something that's just so broad. Uh, I, I've looked at immigration law. I worked at the Provo Justice Court uh, learning about uh, you know criminal law and the aspects of that. Um, but there's also a reality to law as well, how much you make, mm-hmm. how much uh, time you give. And so I think those are things I also want to evaluate when I'm in law school. So I don't necessarily want to put myself on a, on a, on a track or right. a plan, but um, just go into law school with an open mind and, and see what happens. So Nice, dude. Yeah, I'm kind of in that same boat where, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's just so much out there. It's like, I don't even know what is out there. Exactly. It's, yeah. like, it's like when, like, I don't know, it's kind of like when, almost like when you're in high school and they're like, oh, what are you going to, like, major in? You maybe know of, like, five or six majors. Right. And you're like, oh, I guess I'll do this. And then you get to college, you're like, whoa, there's, like, way more choices than I thought. But then, like, two years in and you're, like, halfway into a major and, yeah. But, no. I agree, yeah. Yeah, law is awesome. Growing with an open mind, so. Um, I'm not going to say this is the main reason why I brought you here or invited you on. Uh, but I, one of the main things why I was really interested in bringing you on is you are with the BYU Republicans, right? 
Yes. Uh-huh. Are you like the vice president is what it was? So I'm the co-president. Co-president. Um, right now. Sorry, are... I didn't mean to like demean that at all. <laughs> no. I mean, you could call me vice president. Veep. Uh, <laughs> Veep but uh, I really, I'm uh, kind of right now the acting president because our other co-president, Quincy Taylor, um, is, is going through uh, some, some medical issues and she won't be able to be here for this upcoming fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I'm going to be taking over the things how, how we're going to be running things uh, for this upcoming fall, but we have an executive board that's going to be helping me, so I'm not doing things alone. Nice. Um, but um, yeah, you can just call me Hunter from from BYU Republicans and President Thomas. President Thomas, yeah. <laughs> co co President, President Thomas, Thomas. <laughs> with the co in front. So nice. So how long have you been uh, involved with the BYU Republicans? I got involved four years ago, um, right before my mission, okay. spring 2015. Right on. And um, I went to the well, I forgot what it's called, but it's when uh, Mitt Romney invited a lot of different constituents for the 2016 election mm-hmm. and for uh, candidates who were thinking about running. Um, name's not coming to me, but um, it was in Park City. And so he uh, he wanted some volunteers and the BYU Republicans were looking for some people. And I thought, let's go. And I got to meet some people. I got to actually got to uh, show Lindsey Graham where the bathroom was. Oh, um, nice, nice. Listen to where, where Marco Rubio was speaking saw Carly Fiorina, and it really motivated me that I wanted to stick in with BYU Republicans, and I was really impressed on what they were doing. And so I thought, okay, when I get back from the mission, I want to be involved as much as I can. So, Okay. Would you say that you like kind of leaned Republican before or identified as one before you joined? Or were they kind of were you like a little bit more in the middle and they kind of like swayed you over to be more Republican? You know, if you ask me, I think right now where I'm at in terms of my ideology – my political ideology. If you take a, a moderate Republican to a extreme conservative, um, I would probably put me right in the middle of those. Right. Um, because I don't think I'm very right, right leaning, but I'm also not very in the center of things. I think I'm just smack in the middle of those two. Okay. And I think I've always tended to be that way since I've been in, in middle school and high school. I've listened to politics. Um, I had the little radio show for a while. Um, I supported Mitt Romney when he went in, when he ran in 2012. I made phone calls for McCain in 2008. Nice. And so I've just always been, you know, like I said, political junkie. Just anything political I want to listen to, I want to I want to hear about. Right. And uh, and I've always been, um, you know, definitely identifying as a Republican. And I think that has also been influenced by I think my own personal experiences, and and what my family has brought me up. Um, brought me brought me you know into in terms of our values and principles it really aligned with the republican party so i thought you know what uh i really believe in what they and what they uh, and what they say and believe in and what they want to do so awesome um sweet like uh yeah like so for those of you who have listened a little bit more continuously i think it was about four or five episodes ago i was a little blunt with my feelings about like college like like BYU Republicans and BYU Democrats basically like college parties I just you know like I was telling you before the podcast I've kind of gotten a little more libertarian politically agnostic and with the hyper partisanship in politics today I like to just kind of like avoid the labels in the like between the parties just because it I don't know it's almost like wearing a MAGA hat in public it starts like spiking opinions and feelings and people like oh dude this kid's a Democrat or this kid's a Republican you know um, but I know, I mean, school starts on Tuesday. 
Uh, this will be released on Monday. But we've had a lot of, like, freshmen, uh, obviously, doing orientation and coming through the campus the last couple of days. And you were obviously out with a table with the BYU Republicans and BYU Democrats were out as well talking with students. Um, so what is it that you tell these, like, freshmen and, like, when you're trying to recruit people to the BYU Republicans, like, um, not, like, what's their purpose, but, like, what what's, like, the motivation to join uh, one of these political clubs at BYU, for example? Well, I, I think I would mention that, um, first off, us as college students, we might necessarily be um, very convinced or I would say necessarily um, attached to certain issues or certain political parties. And that's just the nature because we're young. We're young people. Right. And so I always go up and, and talk to a student and say, you know, where do you see yourself right now politically? Uh, there's people who out there say, I'm a constitutionalist. I believe in the Constitution. Um, you know, I'm a libertarian. Like you said, I'm a Republican. I'm a conservative. And I'm open to really anyone, um, even in, even independents. I always ask, are you someone that doesn't want to support any political party? And um, I normally start with that just to understand, okay, this is where they're at. This is where I need to talk to them at. Because they're not wanting to hear, you know, oh, listen to this, what Republicans are doing and what Democrats are doing bad about. It's more to say, okay, this is where you're coming from. I understand that. Um, I've, I've had many friends, for example, who have thought that way. And this is how we can reinforce your ideas as as college Republicans mm-hmm. um, and, and focus on an issue they were interested in. For example, a freshman student asked me about Disney and he wanted to know about, you know, the expansion of big business. And we talked a little bit about, you know, that us as conservative Republicans, we, do, we don't believe in, in crony capitalism, something that Paul Ryan talked a lot about right. and, and reducing that influence but focusing on the good interests of business. And that's when we're able to have kind of more of a level discussion um, and and really understand one another, um, if that makes sense. And so that's where I want to go with students in general. Um, and would you say it's more education in a sense? Education. A lot, a lot of students, a lot of freshmen saying, I just want to be informed. I'm not really into politics, but I want to be informed. Right. And this is a perfect way. But a lot of them, I ask, you know, where do you see yourself politically? Say, I, I definitely lean to the right. Yeah. And that's good good news for us because we want them to come from that background. But we also don't want them to be, you know, extreme right where they're not willing to maybe change their mind about things. Right. Um, and see the world where it is right now. So. Okay. Yeah, because I, I was involved, for example, with some different uh, college level, more like on a national level, but more college level political uh, organizations. And I just kind of like ended up leaving them because I was like, well, like I'm pretty informed on like these issues and I just don't really like they were like kind of spiteful and stuff in like their rhetoric. And I was like, you know, I'm kind of done with this. But I think it is good. Uh, I think that is really good, especially with uh, younger and underclassmen about education and helping them understand and work through issues. Um, and what about more like with upperclassmen when you run into like a junior or a senior, what do you, what, what would be like your pitch to them? Okay. Yeah. Well, I definitely, I definitely don't want to sell them to think that, you know, the Republican party is this kind of product that they need to be convinced to, to attach to. I really believe I, I a hundred percent believe that Utah, you know, BYU specifically is going to always be right leaning, um, and, and so I think we have that, um, upper end where, you know, you go up to a student and they come from a Republican conservative background from their family. Right. And so I don't think that's hard to get from in terms of upperclassmen. Um, you know, it, it's, it's definitely easy to say, yeah, I, uh, 
I am a Republican, but I don't like what the president's doing. I don't like some of his policies. And that's when I start to have a different conversation with them, obviously, and talk to them about, you know, conservative values, something that I, the reason why I stick to be Republican, despite the hard times of the party, 2012, 2012 was a really hard year for Republicans. And I think many people evaluated and said, you know what, where am I? In terms of my ideology, do I really believe in what I believe in? Are Democrats really the future of of the um, of the United States? And um, and and so, I always go back to those strong conservative values, which are small government, freedom, and and the free market. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where upperclassmen realize, okay, I believe in those things too, um, and so do Republicans. I need to stick with that. Um, and I think it's kind of an easier way. To talk about than going saying, hey, uh, you know, I'm a Republican, right. meaning I'm a Trump supporter, meaning I, you know, don't like this person and and support this policy, etc. It's okay. Where where are you at on this, and and how can you focus on the base of conservative thinking and Republican thinking? Okay, yeah, no, that that's really well spoken. I think that's really well put. Um, so it's basically like you're when you're talking with people, you're kind of like. Hey, maybe you align with these like Republican or conservative values more so than you th- initially may may think. Right. Um, and I think it's interesting, and we'll get to Trump in a second. There's a lot to talk about there, obviously, with the Republican Party. But um, yeah, I know. I think it's good that it's you definitely take the approach of like, hey, here are the values I identify with, and that's. I mean. I mean, obviously, the two-party system, you can only do so much, right? But <laughs> right. Um, I think, yeah, it's important to focus on the values and the goals rather than get caught up in the people. Because, you know, in the end, everyone's just a representative. Like, in, in a republic, everyone just ends up being a representative or is technically supposed to be a mouthpiece for their constituents. And I think, like, we've gotten so caught up in a cult of personality with different politicians that we want them to, you know, tell us what to think or maybe we kind of look to them a little too much to guidance when it really should be the other way around. And I'm sure that's something that we both agree on. Yeah, um, 100%, yeah. And I, my last question about BYU Republicans is what is your guys' relationship like with BYU Democrats? Because I know you guys have done some debates and stuff in the past, but kind of like on a day-to-day basis, like, uh, what, just what is that like? What are those interactions like? Um, so, uh, Grant Frazier and Abby, um, are the co-presidents of BYU Democrats. And, um, in terms of our relationship with them, I think it's very good. Uh, we work together on getting the debates done, what topics we want to talk about. There was a refugee event where we both combined. I didn't plan that. That was the old presidents, but, um, we do our best to work with them, especially the administration wants to remain politically neutral. And so they do, and, you know, say, Hey, you know, think about working with the BYU Democrats. And I'm completely open to that. I think it's a great idea. I think it opens discussion. I think education is good from both sides. Um, and I just think, yeah, I think we have an overall good relationship. It's nothing hostile. It's nothing, you know, obviously we talk about politics. It's, uh, that's where we can start to have our divisions. Right. But I think we do stop and say, okay, we're at BYU. We both believe in God and Jesus Christ and or members of the church. That's where something we can agree on. We're both BYU students. You know, some of them are most of them are political science students. Right. Let's talk about those things. Uh, we both run organizations on campus. Let's talk about the challenges of that. And I think that's where we spark our discussion. Definitely. Okay. Um, so politically, we do not agree, obviously. But right. I think just normal college student 
yeah, we, we get along great. So Okay. Yeah, because I think something that's really interesting and even especially lacking, I've mentioned this multiple times, is like the amount of dialogue between two opposing sides in America today. So for example, you said, Oh yeah, like when we speak with them, at least we have these common values and these common like religious beliefs. But when you speak with someone who isn't, you know, a Mormon Democrat or isn't a member of the church and has different uh, political views or values than you do, how do you try and approach that conversation? Well, I'd say this with two things. Unfortunately, we're at BYU where we don't see that as much. So right. it's, uh, it's, it's a challenge. But fortunately, I am from New Mexico, which is a uh, democratic, democratically leaning blue state. And I grew up in high school with uh, many students where I had to understand them at a different, um, you know, ideological level. They were Catholic. Um, they were, um, you know, Democrat, liberal leaning. And I was obviously a, a uh, member of the church, conservative. And I, you know, approaching those subjects to them um, was really something like this. You know, we both agree that poverty, it needs to be um, eliminated. Right. Um, and we focus on the challenges of poverty and talk about, you know, an issue about poverty we both agreed on, you know, for example, of, uh, you know, focusing on how we can help uh, more students, um, you know, within high school go on to get college education and, and how we could, you know, influence that in, in helping them get out of where they're at. Um, and so... I do believe that Republicans and Democrats at its core um, want to eliminate poverty. Um, they want to fix the immigration issue. Um, they want for Americans to have jobs, but we have different ways of getting there. Right. And I think that's where we have the spark of conflict is, okay, well, I don't agree in, in the way you think how, how we can get there, but we both agree and it needs to be fixed. And, and that's normally how I'd get there. I'm trying to think of an example. Um, but, you know, majority of the time, again, we just focus on baseline issues, mm-hmm. uh, focus on that core of what we both believe in, and, um, and figure out ways that we both agreed on um, on how we can fix that. So, Okay. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. Yeah, like an issue-based approach rather than, you know, kind of like the name-calling or the scare tactics that we see a lot today. So I think that's really, I think that's really good. Um, but let's uh, let's get down to the nitty gritty, as okay. they say. Yeah. Um, just because, <clears throat> I mean, with twenty twenty approaching, sometimes it feels like the Republican Party is having an identity crisis, and I think this may have been going on for a while. And I want to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. Um, but under Trump, obviously, the Republican Party has—I uh, don't want to say it's changed a lot, but it's definitely. Do you feel like it's maybe gone in a little bit different? Direction has a, it's gone on a little bit different trajectory than you thought it might have without Trump. A hundred percent, yeah. Um, like like currently in 2019, with almost three years of Trump in the books, where do you sit on Trump as like a value based Republican? Um, I, I want to approach this in a way where both sides can definitely understand that. But I'm I, like I like I told you beginning of this, I am a I'm a Republican. I'm a conservative. Uh, I believe in, in what we want to accomplish as a party. But it, I have to be honest with you. It was hard saying, okay, Trump is the leader of the GOP. Like, this is our guy now. This yeah. is our guy, exactly. <laughs> and, I, and I think that resonates, that resonates with from Nikki Haley, Mitt Romney, Marco Rubio, Tim Scott. I mean, I can tell you name after name after name. Right. Um, and so I'm reading the book right now, American Carnage, uh, which talks about how Trump um, – 
you know, gotten to power in the Republican Party and how we've had a civil war within the Republican Party. Right. And this has been going on since 2010. Uh, and I would even argue to say before that, during the Bush years. And um, yeah, I am very surprised that Trump is, is, is a leader of it right now. And it did take me by surprise. But at the same time, I do have to argue, it, at the same time, it's something that was very predictable, mm-hmm. um, something that was going to come upon us at some time. Um, and I think because President Trump brings up issues that are relevant, and that is, are we going to put America first? Are we going to put our citizens first? Um, are we going to focus on American workers getting a job? And that's something that we have to relevant, relevantly look at. Right. Those are issues that that matter, and that and that I think at any time of our of our lives, people are going to ask. But wait, you're supposed to help me. I'm I'm a citizen of the United States. Um, I'm not saying we should take that to an extreme. Right. Uh, you know, this nationalistic approach where we're just just only about us. But you can see how this was going on for such a long time. Um, it within the Republican Party, this internal battle, and um, I think the president brings up relevant issues that we have to look at. He put them at the forefront, and these were issues that, frankly, Americans were wanting to get, um, you know, wanting to be talked about and and wanted to find solutions to. Yeah, it's like he was the perfect counter to, after eight years of President Obama, I think he really played on a lot of like the common sentiments and feelings that were held by. You know, if you want to call him the silent majority or whatever, during Obama's eight years of presidency, right? And you know, like Trump's an opportunist, and I think he saw, you know, a Republican Party that, like, the country was maybe yearning or leaning towards a Republican president, but he saw a party without a true figurehead, and he's like, yeah, I could do that. Like, I know what the people want, or like he told himself, I know what the people want. And kind of just slid right in, and all of a sudden, you know, he's got the nomination, and all of a sudden, he upsets Hillary, and all of a sudden, you know, now he's been president for three years. It's kind of a, <laughs> it's a wild timeline when you look back on it. Yeah. Um, so, do you feel like, because you talk about the Civil War in the Republican Party, and a lot of people, like, not a lot of people, but people have been ousted in the sense, kind of people like Jeff Flake and people who, like Republicans who would criticize President Trump. And going into 2020, we are seeing not a, a ton, but there are starting to be more and more representatives and, you know, people more also at the state levels of Republicans stepping down from their positions or not going to run again in 2020. And obviously that probably has a lot to do with Trump and attaching their name to the Republican Party under Trump and maybe trying to save their political careers for a couple of years down the road. So where what are some con- common sentiments that you think exist in the Republican Party with regards to Trump right now? I don't think it's necessarily sentiments within the party right now. I think it's within the American people. Um, and I'm going to give you just two examples. I think that a lot of people are sick and tired of identity politics. Oh, yeah. They're sick and tired of political correctness. And that's something I do agree completely 100% with the president, that we have to eliminate um, – Again, I'm saying that we take that to extreme. We can give people the right to, to talk about whatever they want to talk about, what's white supremacy, um, hate speech. No, 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 no. What I'm, what I'm talking about is we have been coddled too much in this culture, uh, in, in our generation specifically. We have been learned to be special and good and, and have this kind of demeanor. And people are, are sick and tired of that. They don't want politicians anymore. They don't want an establishment um, in terms of, you know— uh, you know, someone that has to be there, like Hillary Clinton in 2016. It's her. It's her. It's her year. People were sick and tired of that, and that's something that I think a lot on the Republican Party 
we're, str we're struggling with. I think it's going on within America and it's going along within the Democratic Party right now. Mm -hmm. um, so that's an example I would give with you. Um, I think another one real, real quick as well, um, and I'm, I'm trying to also just go back to your question, if you can just repeat it one more time. Just kind of like what are some of the main like feelings or attitudes towards Trump within like the Republican Party okay. as well? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, so just remember another one. I think as well, we're looking at kind of a populist approach. Um, Do you think it's going to work again in 2020 as it did in 2016? Um, so, you know, that's a good question to ask. Right. Um, I, I think that, and I'm going to be clear on this, Marco Rubio said in a recent uh, podcast about 2024, he said to someone who asked him, are you running for president? He said... Um, I don't know because I don't know where the, the American people are going to be at in four or six, four or eight years. Oh, yeah. And so we have to look at the facts. American voters are extremely different every election cycle. They have different issues they want to focus on, which is very unpredictable. And so I think right now the moment is people are saying, focus on me. I'm a working hard class person. I need to get a job. I need to get a good salary. And you're seeing that like again. The Republican Party, I think we, we already took that into action with Trump, but we're looking at that right now within within the Democratic Party, which is right. are we going to go for someone like Sanders or Warren who, right. who wants to focus on the same approach, that populist approach, or are we going to take someone like Biden who was kind of like a Romney figure who who's going to be a little more moderate on issues? Mm -hmm. um, and so I do mention that it's not just in the Republican Party. I think it's going on throughout the whole world. It's going on throughout the Democratic Party, throughout American the, the American public of elitist versus normal people. And um, I can understand why that's happening. I can I can see that why that's happening. And so um, I, I have to mention as well, I think people also are very wary within the Republican Party and American people is just the approach of social media and the use of it. Uh, I think pretty much everyone we talk about, uh, we, I talk to is, you know, Trump's tweets are sometimes uh, hard to hard to defend. I mean, you see this stuff he tweets at three in the afternoon, and it's like, dude, like, like, why did you, like, you didn't need to do that, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, some of them, and I'm not, I'm not telling you this, you know, just, just to let you know, but um, right. I'm not a Trump, you know, defender, loyalist to the core. I'm just not the type of person. That's just not who I am. But I think that the president, like I said, brings into the picture relevant issues. He's fighting for Americans. He's bringing back jobs. Um, he, he's helping real people who have real issues. Uh, and so those are things that I am just, I said, yeah, exactly. That's what we need right now. We need someone to focus on that and bring that picture in. Um, but I think in the aspect of, of, of Twitter, I think a lot of people are just saying, okay, Mr. President, you know, cool down with it. Right. But, you know, that's Trump. Like you said, he, he, he likes to take opportunities and, and take advantage of that. He's a businessman. He's, uh, you know, black or white kind of guy. Those people are just very, very, you know, hardworking and to the core, just extremely tough and rough. From New, he's from New York City, right. and so I think that's just the nature of who he is. And I think that's just a grappling American public that's trying to understand who their president is. So, uh, and in and also the Republican Party. So, right. I think it is interesting, uh, as you mentioned, with the whole populism and a very another very well put answer. I would add. Like with Trump, for example, in 2016, he's like, hey, I'm the outlier. You know, I'm the X factor. I'm the non-politician. 
And now that he's been in for three years, do you think he'll carry that same, try and carry that same attitude and that same tone into 2020? Or will he try and use his track record of, oh, look at the economy, look at this, look at the all these things that we've accomplished? Like, how do you see 2020 um, carrying out? Like, how do you see that happening? Because uh, obviously on the podcast we've talked about with the Democrat debates, with the first and the second, we've given a lot of commentary on, like, potentially what would happen in 2020. But from, like, a Republican perspective, perspective with Trump, how do you see 2020 playing out? Well, I think he, he's not necessarily the X factor anymore. And I say that because he's the president of the United States. He has that, the office, he has that authority. He's, like, in the swamp now. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's part of Washington, D.C. And, and who it is. Um, but I do have to mention he is someone that's also so outside of it. That's true. Um, he is so outside of Washington, D.C., which personally for me is attractive. It's attractive to see someone in some to see someone in there who is who's saying, you know what, I am not gonna be a politician. I am not gonna, you know, focus on, on what the, the other side is telling me and, and the interest groups, I'm gonna focus on, on on what's what's important to the American people. I don't think he does that as, as a I don't think he does that perfectly, but I think he he wants to show himself as that. But I think he also show look at the economy, look at what it done for the American people. Um, you know, look at bringing back jobs, uh, you know, have low unemployment. I think those are things he, he's going to definitely focus on in 2020 for sure. But Right. I know. I think I, I want to ask your opinion what you guys, like with the issues currently present, like what should be focused on, what you like that the Republican Party is focusing on. And obviously, like, yeah, like, uh, like you say, things shift all the time. Like in 2018, right, with the midterms coming up and post-Kavanaugh, if a lot of people were saying, oh, Trump needs to stay on, like, the post-Kavanaugh wave of, like, oh, the Democrats were just trashing this guy. And instead, like, la- like, the month or two before the midterms, he switched over and started going off on the migrant caravans that were coming through. And some people say that kind of sank some energy and sank some votes for the Republican Party. So with, I mean, we're still over a year away, obviously, from elections for 2020. But moving forward in the next year, what issues would you like to see the Republican Party focus on for national appeal, per se? Uh, that's just all really, really good question. Um, you know, I think I think the Republican Party still needs to focus on its approach of of helping everyday people. I think that's a very good approach. Um, I, I think you also need to focus on 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 the fact about free market principles and and letting the government run. You know, the president has done a really good job, and I say this because those ideals that he has, which is low taxes, which are uh, you know less regulation, which is let the free market run. Those are Republican conservative principles. That's what he's focusing, relying on. Um, and, you know, tariffs, free trade. Uh, that's definitely not a conservative Republican principle. But the Republican Party has kind of adopted it. So I would say I, w- I, w- I would like to hear. Okay, focus on the economy. Let's focus on 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 fixing the entitlement situation we have right now. Let's focus on on looking at the deficit. I think that's definitely lost a lot of traction within the conservative Republican movement. Um, but I'd also like to hear something about infrastructure, um, you know, hearing things about that, the importance of fixing our roads and, and, and really focus on, on, on our inner cities. I think that's really important. I've never heard that from a, a Republican uh, candidate before, and he was kind of the first one to say, we need to focus on this. And so that's what I like of what the president is doing and what I think he will focus on in 2020 and what I'd like to hear, um, to, be, to be quite frank. But mm-hmm. Yeah, because obviously there's a lot of issues with the border right now. And I was, in a, I was in a talk yesterday with some friends, and we were talking about 
just how complicated the issue is of immigration reform and how to deal with the border and the wall. Um, being from New Mexico, and obviously you come from a Hispanic heritage. I'm not wrong with that, right? No, you're not wrong, no. Okay. <laughs> what are your thoughts on like the current border issue with like record number of people crossing and then Trump kind of strong-armed Mexico into that deal so they would put National Guard on their own southern border? Um, and then the future with immigration reform, like what are your thoughts on that? Given like your background and given your political values, like what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think what you're hearing right now uh, what the audience is going to hear, you're probably listening to someone who's who's picking and choosing what the president is doing. And I want people to understand that for sure. Um, but I also want to say and mention that I believe I'm a pragmatic, I'm a practical kind of person. Um, I, I believe in looking at the uh, what's going on at the moment, but also having some set goals, some some a good future, and so I would call myself kind of a, a next generational Republican. I'm a very huge supporter of Marco Rubio and that class. Um, mm-hmm. I think in 2024, I think we're going to have a just a, a just a solid class of candidates um, that I think we can definitely win for another eight years. Um, but putting that aside for a moment, talking about the immigration issue, it's something that's very close to my heart personally. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I'm. I'm the first or one of the first Hispanics to run the BYU College Republicans. I speak fluent Spanish. I have my wife's from Chile. Uh, you know, to be quite frank, my uncle is here illegally, has lived here for 15 years, has tried to apply for citizenship multiple times, but she's been just so broken in the system. He's unable to get anything uh, progressed. Um, both of my grandparents, Mercedes and, and Avilio, um, both came here legally and uh, from like, Mexico, from Mexico, from Mexico City. And uh, so I just have a just a just handful and handful of just groups of people I know that are immigrants. It hits very close to home. Yeah, it very it hits very close to home. And so people talk to me and say, "How can be? How can you be a, a Mexican American? You know, Hispanic, and also a Republican, a conservative?" And I tell them, "Look, uh, I live by the border. Um, you look at the drug war. I've talked to many of my friends um, who who lived in in regions of Mexico like Tamaulipas, um, which is by by Texas." Uh, I have a really good friend from Culiacan, Sinaloa, which is where the El Chapo is from, and I've talked to him, and he said they, they, the the uh, the drug lords killed my, you know, killed my uncle, killed my killed my four and five year old cousins, and I just think and look at that and say there's a reality of what's going on in Mexico, right? And those people, to be quite honest, want to be here in the United States. They they want to find an advantage to be here to get the drug trade. So. I, I have to be 100% with you. Looking at the other side of, of the United States, of Mexico, I think that issue is being completely forgotten. Um, we talk about Venezuela, we talk about Cuba, we talk about these Latin American communist socialist regimes, but if you look at Mexico, it is a literal war. Mm-hmm. Uh, more people have died in Mexico, in certain parts and regions, um, than in Iraq and in Afghanistan. Yeah, that's that, a crazy stat. Uh, that's alarming. So I do bring that up because you asked about the immigration issue. Right. That's something we have to look at as a reality. What the Republican Party believes in as securing our border, there is a reality the other side. Now, I'm not saying we should call every person because when we when we do that, you're calling me, you're calling my my brother, you know, you're calling my mother, my grandfather, um, you know, um, a bad person, right. you know, a member of a cartel, which all people who come from the border are not a lot of them are like my mother who wanted to come here came here which is a few thousand dollars came here legally um wanted to stay here legally 
brought in her grandparent, my, my grandparents legally, um, and, and want here for a better future, who, who have learned the English language, who have studied in our universities, who pay taxes, who contribute. And I think that's something that we definitely have to focus on uh, as, as an American people. We have to focus on, on that side of the issue, which I don't think we've been focusing on a lot. We've forgotten that part as well. Right now we're focusing on, on the drug war side, which is good. We need to figure out a way to do that. We need to put up a barrier, I would say technological one, um, and, and we need to work with, with, with the Democrats to figure this out. It's, it's something that has to happen. I'm very passionate about that. But at the same time, I'm also very passionate about, um, you know, uh, the numbers I have is around 12 million, 12 million undocumented immigrants. Um, and, and one of them happens to be my uncle. And we need to figure that out. We need to definitely focus in on that. And I, I know that's the future of the Republican Party. I know that's the future of how we can figure that out and how we can win over that coalition of Latino voters because they just have not been advocated for. Not under a Republican, not under a Democrat. The Latino community has been just taken as a pawn, mm -hmm. and that, it, to me, is very personal. Um, well, well, pandering in that sense. Yes, right. and so people say, you know, Trump is, and I would say, well, Trump's looking at one side of the issue. You know, he wants to get things focused in on, on, the, on the border, which is good. Republicans have, have been talking about that for, for years, and Democrats since, since you know, Bush years have said the exact same thing, but now it's convenient to them to say, yo, yeah, you know, bring in the Latino voters. Let's and decriminalize the border. Let's decriminalize the border. so far the other way. Exactly. And it's like, no, that's not what we need to focus on. We need to focus on those two sides of the issue, balance those out, find out a practical solution, and just finish it. That's it. And I, I see, and that's why I brought up the generational move of what I call myself as a generational Republican. I believe a lot of millennial Republicans want to do that. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of millennials who in the future will say, especially Republican conservatives, we need to figure out the immigration issue and figure out the undocumented, undocumented situation and, and put up a, a, a barrier there as well. So that's my two cents about that. Very nice. Yeah, I can tell it's something you feel very strongly about. Yeah. I respect that a lot. Thank you. Um, and I think it is interesting that you mentioned millennial Republicans because uh, I remember, I don't know how it is now, but studies were showing that uh, basically, if you're gonna put it as a competition between the two parties, like the Republicans are losing very badly in terms of like winning over millennials, um, and I think it is interesting to talk about like you know what is the future of this party like, um, you know, and like you kind of briefly mentioned 2024 with like a solid group of candidates like we're like moving forward to make sure there's not like a complete dearth of like future Republicans and future conservatives. Like, how does the Republican Party move on from Trump, whether that's in 2020, if he loses, or if that's in 2024 after eight years? Like, with this kind of super polarizing cult of personality guy, like, what's the next move as a party post-Trump? That's another thing also I've been focusing on a ton about, because it's really important to me. Um, I'm, really, I'm really concerned about the future of the Republican Party post-Trump. Um, you know, Trump has given the Republican Party success. It's given it life, uh, whether that be good or bad, whatever your opinion on that is. But what I do believe in is we're going to lose a lot of traction on minorities, on women, on millennials. And Mick, Mick Mulvaney, he said this uh, back in 2014. He said, if we lose those coalitions and all we stick to is, you know, the normal white old voter, which is shrinking, mm -hmm. we're not going to have a party anymore. 
Now, that doesn't mean to say that we need to, you know, just forget about those voters. Right. I think we need to focus on everyone. Like I said, I I believe in a very pragmatic approach. We can both be pro-America and also pro-immigrant. That's something that's very possible. And we can also have a strong border and, and have a practical solution for, you know, immigrants who are living in the United States. That's something that's very possible. And I, and I see that as the future of the party for sure, 100%. Um, and, and I bring that up because I think it's something we need to focus on. Um, and we, we need to definitely key on, on. So I see that trend with all of my friends. Oh, yeah, you know, my mom's from Mexico. My dad's from Puerto Rico. My, you know, my mom's from, you know, Chile. I have heard that countless of times. And that's the future of, of America. Marco Rubio said, you know, if, if that's what America needs, I'll be the candidate you know, and I think that's something we have to definitely look at right. is that's the future. We have to take that seriously. Mm-hmm. We have to take approach to that. And so I think, I believe that the Republican Party can still win coalitions, white voters. Uh, they can definitely win older voters as well. And I think we can win a state like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, but also flip Colorado, Nevada, keep Arizona, keep Texas red. You look at this corridor. They could be trending left, and that's why I'm telling the Republican Party. It's time to focus on these coalitions now because in 2024, we're going to be doomed. If we do not focus and key on on those, we're not going to do that. And so uh, I do want to mention two things as well about this, and I don't want to lose my train of thought here. but No, go for it. Uh, and, and I want to mention it before. Um, but we talk about the unemployment rates right now under Republican policies they are the lowest among African Americans and Latinos, like and, in history, right? Or in like fifty, sixty years, something in history, something yeah, like that, yeah. I know for African Americans in history, I think it's Latinos is one of the lowest in decades. I do mention that um, because free market principles work. Uh, the economy, when it has less government, it works, and we need to be saying that message to people today. Um, we need to be focusing on people like that every day who have those different backgrounds. Who, who, who want to have you know investments and want to put their money in. I was looking at a video from Vice of a group of African-Americans. And major- oh, that's a great video, yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, no, for, we'll try and link that in the bio, but that's a great video if you're looking for like a video that just has good conversation and dialogue between people. Yeah. It was so good. Great video, yeah, we'll link that in. I don't want to go on a rant here, but you're, you brought up two, two things that are just really, um, I want to key in on. Um, and so what I didn't want to mention is you look at this video and you see just a bunch of people with different kind of opinions. But at the end of the day, they're all agreeing on all I want is a job. All I want is money to pay for the food on the table. I, I am one of the first in my family to be in college. One of the guys said, I am a, uh, a Republican voter and um, I have invested for the first time. And that hit my heart for a second because I realized Republican values, when we take the you know the, we take government outside of the market we take it and let it go on and and we let people live their lives and, and and let them have freedom we allow minorities to also be free and that's something we need to focus on as a party continue to focus on um and and we need to focus on those getting those key groups not just focusing on one coalition but saying you know what we care about you sincerely we want to help you we want to get you out of poverty not that every minority is in poverty i don't want to mention that as as a, as a stigma but you know, those who feel like it, we can get you out of poverty and we have the ability and the belief to do so. I did want to mention one last thing, though. Of course. Uh, you know, again, I mentioned I'm a practical, kind of a practical person, pragmatic. 
I was talking to someone yesterday, and I said, who do you listen to? Who do you follow on Instagram politically-wise? And they said, I love Ben Shapiro. And you ask me, every single one of those freshmen, whether it be a, you know, a, a male or a female, they love Ben Shapiro. And so I agree. I see that the progressive movement is going to flourish within our generation. Oh, yeah. Uh, you look at Ocasio-Cortez. You look at you know the squad. They are the future of, uh, of the Democratic Party. Um, and they believe that they can take over the Democratic Party because they they, they, they they critically can. These are these are young, new, fresh people that many of those with under generation support. Many much of our generation, millennial wise, agree with free public education, agree with the the Green New Deal. And and to me, in my personal opinion, that's 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 scary. And so we need to keep the Republican Party relevant. We need to focus on those strong conservative principles. And I believe, although progressives will be Keyed in, I also believe that Republicans will still be relevant. Will still be relevant. Looking at the generation who I spoke to yesterday, the movement of Ben Shapiro, the movement of all these young, fresh, also within the conservative movement, are giving a voice to those who don't want to, to have that voice or are scared to say, you know what, I don't necessarily agree with the Green New Deal, but I also am not an extremist. Where can I go off that? And right. so that, that's what I, I think is the future of the party. I know what I'm kind of hoping for, as you mentioned that, is almost like a return to moderates and a return to, I mean, uh, in the, hopefully, I don't know when this will happen, but hopefully we can eventually kind of move away from cancel culture and we can kind of tone things down on social media because that's just such the vibe right now. Um, And as you mentioned, kind of like, oh, well, I hold these values and, I mean, because that's kind of like where I see myself at. It's like, well, I'm not like extreme or like I'm not very deep into the party on this side i would agree with them on some issues but i'm also like really open or like exploring a lot of different options on these other issues and i think there's like you're kind of saying there's not as much of a place for those type of people right now and but like keeping things moderate and keeping the republican party in the picture would be a really good move because you can like with people like ben shapiro you can say hey like we have these ideas and we would like to share them with you and like a lot of people do identify with what you have to say they do identify with well, I do want a job and I do want the economy to do well. And, you know, I do want to secure myself and I want to make sure that like my family and stuff is safe and that we can, you know, secure a good future for our own children. Um, so I think in that sense, yeah, the Republican Party does have a lot to offer. And I think you made a very good pitch earlier with the BYU Republicans of like the for like the purpose of joining and like why people should be interested and should be looking into it. Um, so... I think, well, I guess my last question would be this. Uh, and then you feel free to bring up anything else or anything else you want to share. But uh, with the economy, obviously that's been kind of, that's kind of like Trump, like that's what's been holding Trump up for a little while now is like the power that is the economy right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously there's been some signs of like potential, like not crashes, but potential like recession. Which, you know, also is kind of like a cyclical nature, and we are almost due for one in a couple of years. Um, but if Trump loses the economy, or it starts to falter hard, right around 2020, you know, under Trump, obviously, like, I really like what you have to say with, like, what Republicans have to offer. But without a strong economy, especially, like, post-2017 GOP tax cuts, what... What like what would be the thing right now in the next year that the GOP would have to offer besides the economy? It's a good question. Um, you know, I think we're going back to two thousand eight. 
quite frankly, I don't think we're going to have a really good chance in 2020. I think that's going to be really difficult to win back if we lose in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we need to advocate for Republicans who can uh, focus in on on, uh, on on key values. And I'm just trying to think of what to say, really, because the way President Trump is running the economy is, in a way, very bullish. He uh, is very confident in the economy, and, and that's a really good perspective. But I think personally what I do not agree with is tariffs. And I think that's where the side where there is a lot of discussion of, okay, where where are we going to go with the economy next? I well, think that's one what, what do you one not agree signs. about with tariffs? Is it his approach or the purpose of them? Because um, I, I don't want to hear your thoughts on this first, but like, wh- like what is your what's the specific uh, issue that you have with tariffs? Just um, just to clarify, like what you think on it? Yeah, tariffs. Um, well, you know, I, I'm always I'm I'm just a, a big believer, and I think personally in free trade, um, the aspect of it. Like I said, free market it, it believes in in free trade and and allowing for the economy to run. And I believe that when you kind of inhibit that with an exportation importation of things, that inhibits it. In my personal view. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I believe that the fact that President Trump is opening up the idea is good, but I think the implementation of it, the purpose of them, can be dangerous. Yeah. Um, so I would have to say it'd be a very difficult position to be put in, to be quite to be quite frank. Without the economy, right. Without the economy. Um, I mean, he could talk about the conservative judges and and he could talk about, you know, working with North Korea, which are also very good things, I think, in my perspective as well. But you know, I think it'd just be very hard to work with that. See how McCain did. McCain right. had no response, and and Barack Obama was able to capitalize on that, and we saw what happened. So right, and also kind of sank. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think so. It kind of sank Romney at least in 2012 when he tried to bring up the economy. I mean, obviously it was like recovering slowly, but it was recovering at that point. And then Romney tried to bring it up, and Obama was like, "What are you talking about?" We're recovering, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, if you don't have the economy on your side, it does make things really difficult. Um, I, I just want to throw in my two cents on China um, with tariffs. I do agree because I do believe in free trade and I do believe in, like, the free movement of, like, goods and stuff like that. Um, if Trump is advocating, I, and he's kind of changing his tone on this now, which is the right move in my opinion. Like, if you're using tariffs uh, to say, oh, we're helping out, like, our own people – like that's not the way to do it like that's a very like i want to say that was alexander hamilton who thought that way of using tariffs to bolster your own economy to bolster and like develop your own industry instead of relying on becoming too codependent but when you're using tariffs to i want to hear your thoughts on this when you're using tariffs as a political tool like for example against china because obviously china's gotten away with a lot in the last 30 years just because there's so much economic interdependence and trump is kind of saying hey a lot of people have been letting China get away with a lot, and I think he does. And but he still needs to take a stance on Hong Kong and you, like rope that into the tariffs. Because I think that would be the best approach. Would be hey, we're using tariffs to hit back at China because of the oppression of the people in Hong Kong. Um, but I think there is some value when tariffs are used as a political tool and not a financial one. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like advocating for say, hey, we're gonna stick it to China, and we're gonna get back, and we're gonna get even with China, and this is how we're gonna do it. Is hurt them economically, it's rather than saying, oh, 
you know, when he first started using tariffs, Trump's like, I'm going to use tariffs to help American farmers. It's like, no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think about that? Uh, well, <clears throat> that's a very good point you bring up. I, I didn't think about it that way. But uh, politically, I think that the president, in a way, is bringing up, like I said, an issue that's very important, which is how are we going to work with China? And I think in his businessman-like style, and I think the Republican Party also needs to reevaluate, reevaluate and say, okay, how are we going to work with China? What are we going to do? We believe in free trade. We believe in, in, in free exportation of goods. How are we going to work with China, though? How are we going to work with them and, and see how we can have a fluid situation? And so I think politically, yeah, I think in any, I mean, in any bad way it can be taken in either, in either – it can be taken good or bad. Right. But I think in essence what, what is Republicans we believe in and I think the president is trying to say is – we believe in America, and we believe in, in helping American workers. Yeah, it isn't helping out a lot of American farmers. Um, but at the same time, like you said, he's changing his tone, and that's something that I also like as well, that he's saying, okay, it, it's not working as well as I thought. You know, maybe there's a different way we can get there. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, and I have to be honest with you. I, I don't know 100% on the subject. Uh, that's why I won't, you know, talk about statistics. But... What I do enough know enough about know enough about it, and what I've heard, is that at least the party is saying, okay, we're going to work with China, and we're going to see what we're going to do with them because they're obviously a, a growing power within within the world, and um, the president's looking at an option to do so. Again, not defending it. I'm not saying, hey, you right, know, right. <laughs> give you know. I'm just saying, uh, you know, analytically looking at it, it, he's bringing up an issue politically that's saying, okay, we need to advocate for pro pro America, pro worker. And that's something he needs to be taking seriously, but it's not necessarily working, and it should be reevaluated. So, yeah, no, I, I I would agree with largely with what you're saying. Um, but yeah, anything else you want to? Any last soapbox moments we want to get out of the way before we uh, shut things down here? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I just wanted to all of those who were listening. Um, hopefully, you were able to really get to know me a little more politically. I've actually been kind of uh, under wraps for the past few years. Um, you know, when I came back from my mission, it was just a very big shock in terms of the political uh, environment. Um, was Trump in office when you got back? Yeah, he was elected uh, elected when I was on my mission. And when I got back, yeah, he was okay. in office. I got back uh, in, in August. So I got back like three months before the general election took place in 2016. Okay. So I missed the primaries. And I was I came back. I was like, wait, what's happening? Like, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a lot to take in. Yeah. It's it's definitely a hard I think from either party it's hard to take in but um, had accept what was going on and uh, and so I have been learning and informing myself for the past two years and I believe I am uh, you know believe politically uh, you know not the same but in terms of different issues I'm probably a little more conservative very fiscally conservative um, and and I definitely want to take an approach that also um, we need to focus on every American on everyone regardless of who they are and where they come from and, and focus on the real issues at hand and really focus on solutions. Um, and so that's our focus on this year for BYU College Republicans. Um, really give you that pitch is to come check us out, come listen to us. We want to focus on the issues that are important to you and uh, we want to understand where you're coming from. And uh, how would someone, as a closing, like how does someone sign up for college, for BYU Republicans? They can look us up on Instagram at BYU College GOP. Go to our Facebook page, BYU College Republicans, or just go to BYUSA Clubs. Look us up. 
and you can sign up on 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 there so okay right on well very well spoken very well put uh i think uh we've all we're all leaving this a little bit enlightened i know i am some of this uh american news head so uh hunter thomas everyone thank you for coming thanks so much thanks so much